Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Florida. Brought to you by Tico People's Gas, at the heart of Florida's energy. In this download, Orlando Business Journal Editor-in-Chief Sean McRory explores the issue of affordable housing with Catherine Steck McManus, President and CEO of Habitat for Humanity, Greater Orlando and Osceola County. Thank you for joining us, Catherine. It's actually rather apropos that I should have you on our first podcast for 2024, as you were one of the first community members I was introduced to when I started at the OBJ in January of 23. At that time, we were talking about affordable housing and the role Habitat for Humanity takes in addressing the issue in Central Florida. The issue remains just as critical heading into 2024. So from your perspective, what is the current state of the housing market in Orange and Osceola counties where affordability is concerned? And what is Habitat for Humanity doing in 2024 to address the issue? Well, Sean, it is a pleasure to be here with you today and just thank you from all of us in the business community for the work that you and the Orlando Business Journal are doing to support our community. Unfortunately, not a lot has changed since we first met when you came to town. The housing market is still out of balance and distorted by conflicting policies and goals as well, right? We're not always all on the same page. So to address this, we've launched Face the Housing Crisis, an initiative to tackle the affordable housing crisis in Central Florida. And we're convening collective leaders and asking them to embrace a new approach that really focuses on changing the housing system rather than individual policies. And while taking things individually really sounds attractive in isolation, there just is no one single bullet or single solution. So we sort of have to approach it as a system. What do you think are the biggest factors contributing to the housing affordability crisis in Central Florida? Well, one of the biggest factors is really we've got profit incentives, of course, that are driving developers and builders to meet the demand for building larger, more expensive housing, because there are a lot of people in our community that can afford a half a million dollar home. But meanwhile, there are well-intended policies uh, in our community that have really created some disincentives to make building affordable housing more attractive. So even though I believe we have residential builders in our community that would be more than happy to build at the lower end, right, of the supply of the housing supply ladder, it just doesn't end up making any financial sense for them to do so. It's very expensive to build homes right now to acquire land. And if you are Habitat as a nonprofit, we can go into a deal knowing there is not going to be a profit at the end of the day, but it's going to take all builders and developers to come together to really try and assure that we have the supply ladder we need with various housing types and various housing prices. You mentioned this earlier with uh, Habitat rolling out the uh, Face the Housing Crisis Initiative in August. Tell us how the initiative has fared over its first four months and what are the biggest takeaways so far? Oh my gosh, Sean. It has been wildly successful in so many ways. And Face the Housing Crisis really is sort of a two-pronged approach. 
The first part of it is public awareness and public information, really getting Central Floridians to understand who the faces, the true humans are behind the housing crisis. Sometimes people think about who struggles with housing differently. And so we really wanted to put that forth with five faces of people that live and work right here in Central Florida. So the public awareness campaign, I mean, we've driven more than 155,000 unique visitors to our website since August 15th. Almost a thousand people have raised their hand to say, let us get engaged, right? We want to help be part of the process. And we've had three of our cornerstone housing framework sessions, right? So that's the second part of Face the Housing Crisis. We've got the Public Awareness Information Initiative, and then we've got the Cornerstone Housing Framework. And that's how we're getting in and changing the system of housing, uh, the Gordian knot, uh, if you will, of housing. And we've had more than 120 people attend uh, three sessions so far uh, this year really helping us determine what are going to be some innovative pilot initiatives that we could undertake as a community to hopefully uh, build more housing and help crack the system. Well, wonderful. And at the same time, Habitat just opened its application period for its home ownership program. What can you tell us about the program, the requirement for participants and the number of applicants you're expecting? Well, we're expecting a lot of applicants through our homeownership portal, and it's very easy for people to go online and just learn a bit more at habitatorlando.org. It's right there on the front of the website. And people need to have at least a minimum of 650 credit score. They have to have a minimum household income. They need to be having a uh, sort of permanent, consistent wage and be in their employment industry for at least two years. So that's some of the more boring parts, uh, but very critical parts of assuring that you're going to meet the criteria uh, to enter the Habitat program. But all of that is online. We've got sort of a tutorial that people can go through and look can see how are they when it comes to meeting that criteria. And if they feel pretty confident that they meet that criteria, then we encourage them to go ahead and apply. We're building 30 homes this year. Uh, And when you look at the thousands and thousands of people across our community, across our region, who are really struggling with housing, um, you can only imagine how active our application portal is. I bet, you know, thinking back to that uh, conversation we had in January when we had the community impact panel, you were on it with a number of uh, business leaders in the community. Apart from conversations like that, how does Habitat for Humanity collaborate with community leaders and other organizations to help address the housing shortage in Orange and Osceola counties? We do it just as really the business journal does it, right? You bring different stakeholders from across the community to come together and to ensure that input and direction is really driven by that community awareness. It starts with our board of directors. I'm so fortunate, Habitat Orlando and Osceola County is so fortunate to have a board of directors 
that not only has vision for success in the housing spectrum, but also strategy. Um, How are we going to get there? So it starts with them and then it goes into the community with leaders, our cornerstone housing framework sessions, and then getting into the private and public sector, the independent sector. So really just going across the the community and talking with people and almost more importantly, listening to people to learn and to assure that we're really evolving and refining our approach as we go along. But it takes everybody, right? It's a village. And if we're going to face the housing crisis, we all have to do it. You know, one of the things that uh, listening to you talk about the uh, the Face the Housing Crisis Initiative, you know, showing the community the faces of the neighbors that are impacted. You know, one of the things that we are uh, certainly uh, addressed in our conversation earlier is the impact on vulnerable communities. How would you say vulnerable communities are being impacted by the current housing market and what measures is uh, Habitat taking to support them? Well, when we spoke at the beginning of the year, we were in a bad situation in our community. Unfortunately, we're in a worse situation than we were then, right? We just continue to struggle. And when people who are under-resourced are trying to find housing, trying to keep housing, they're just really running into a lot of brick walls even though they're doing all the right things, right? They have a good stable job. They have a savings. They are trying their best to make sure that their debt is low. But when a median, and this is the number that has gone from when we talked earlier this year to today, right now, or at least during the the last statistics that came out, which were in June, the median cost of an entry-level house is now $330,000. 10 years ago, it was $140,000. Same city, same community, can you wow. imagine going from 140000 to 330000 So again, everyone can be doing what they should be doing to be a successful homeowner. But the number is just really batting them over the head. I mean, most people cannot afford a $330,000 home. And that's just to, that's at the bottom of the housing ladder rung. And there's not many $300,000 homes even being built in Central Florida. So it truly does become sort of a supply and demand issue. And when we talk about the faces, everyone, every kind of person in our community is struggling, uh, from the young professional to our teachers, and of course, our elderly. And we're continuing to see a spike in calls from our fixed income elderly, really wondering what are they gonna do next. Next, Catherine Steck-McManus shares what business leaders can do as Florida Business Minds continues. People's Gas, working with businesses across Florida to lower energy usage and costs with efficient natural gas. Get cash back energy conservation rebates when you install new natural gas equipment. Learn more at peoplesgas.com slash biz rebates. You know, another big part of the discussion we had in January was on how the affordable housing crisis was hurting Central Florida and being able to compete with other markets for businesses and jobs. You know, if an engineer or a nurse cannot afford to live here comfortably, he or she is going to choose to locate elsewhere. 
Do you think the situation has changed much in the months? Sounds like it might not have <laughs> since that conversation. And what more do our business leaders need to do to help address the housing crisis? Yeah, Sean, unfortunately, it's just gotten worse. So yeah, it has changed, but, but not for the better. So our business community, I think one of the things that I say to so many people when we're just talking, right, we're just really being authentic and vulnerable with the crisis and talking about that is to talk with their staff. Where are their struggles? Because sometimes I think our business leaders would be shocked and not in a good way by the struggles that their staff are facing every day. And if you are struggling financially with the cost of housing, when you come to work, it's going to be really difficult to pay attention. It's going to be difficult to exceed expectations. So the first thing is talk with your team. Ask them where are their hurdles. Ask them if you can help find resources. I'm not expecting the business community to have the answer and to solve or to fix all of their staff's housing problems. I mean, that's pretty Pollyannish. But we can at least start the conversation. And so I would encourage everyone to start that conversation and then let me know. I would love to know what are some of those hurdles. And then as a community, let's come together and see how we can really try to connect the dots of where there are resources available. Because if we don't start having some of these conversations and having our industry leaders really understand what it's like, we're only going to have our workers leave, right? They're already sort of leaving because they need to find affordable housing elsewhere. But we need them to stay. We need them to also want to come to Central Florida and work. So it starts, though, with a conversation. And what policy changes or advocacy efforts is uh, Habitat for Humanity pushing to help improve the housing situation in Central Florida? Our message right now via the Cornerstone Housing Framework is that policy change is a process. So we're preparing right now for comprehensive and inclusive policy recommendations by creating sort of a familiarity with systems thinking. And I know that sounds really sort of PhD, but <laughs> what we're doing is we're bringing together groups of community leaders. We're looking at the system of housing how it interconnects with each other, and then in some ways, how we can break it apart and put it back together again, understanding it is going to have to be consistently broken and put back together because everything changes. Nothing stays static. And so our policy initiatives right now are really trying to have people understand in the community how systems process thinking works. And then the next step is to determine, okay, we see how it works. We see where it's sort of broken. What are some of those innovative either pilots from a construction standpoint or from a policy standpoint? Where can we point out some possible quick wins as we tackle some of the really just have been with us for decades policies that have got to change if we're going to tackle and face the affordable housing crisis. Is there any particular policy that comes to mind when you think of those that have been in place for a long time that should be addressed? 
Oh, Sean, if we had 42 hours, we, we could talk. Um, I'm going to choose not to answer that question. <laughs> um, and I'll tell you why, because it's just not, and this is not a flip answer to your question of, is there one? The problem is one policy has all of these cascading implications And so it's not just saying, let us make sure that all applications for an affordable housing certificate are on white paper, right? If it were only that simple, it Mm -hmm. has these really nuanced sort of subsystems within that particular policy that can really bring development to a screeching halt. And that's where that systems thinking occurs of not looking at something as black and white, right? Of like, okay, we just have to change this policy. That's not always true. There are a lot of good policies that on the surface are great. We just need to go down like five layers of what happens next and make some tweaks and changes to that. So there is not one policy. I really think we need to address almost every policy. Well, knowing that 23 was a uh, trying year, what would you say are the biggest success stories for you and Habitat for Humanity? Our biggest success stories are the people that we're able to help. Habitat is a hand up and not a handout. And so we are truly on a journey with families and individuals who want to be home ready, not just through our new construction program, but through our HUD counseling, uh, through our roof replacement program, through our Habitat University education curriculum. So I am really proud of the work that we've done in expanding who we serve 10 years ago, if you weren't part of our new construction program, we really couldn't help you. But today, there is something we offer in our myriad of program services that everyone in our community could benefit from. And that's what I'm most proud of. Great. And finally, how can those listening to our podcast today contribute or get involved in supporting Habitat for Humanity's efforts to improve housing accessibility in Central Florida? Well, we are in the season of giving, so the best thing they could do is go to HabitatOrlando.org and make a donation. After they've done that, though, Sean, I would encourage them to visit us at FaceTheHousingCrisis.org, raise their hand, get engaged, join one of our Cornerstone Housing Framework sessions, or just call me or contact me. My information is on the website, and let's start that conversation. Great. Well, Catherine, I very much appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. Great conversation. And hopefully we uh, see some results in 24 that push us a little bit uh, in trying to address this crisis. Absolutely. Sean, thank you so much for all of your work in highlighting the housing crisis and helping us try to tackle it. Thank you for downloading Florida Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Florida. Brought to you by Tico People's Gas at the heart of Florida's energy.